We've got a new ride opening, another coronavirus closure, and is this the last we've seen of the complimentary breadbasket? That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and to my right, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Heyo. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we'd like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry, you're back. I'm back. You survived Disneyland. I survived Disneyland. How'd it go? Uh, It went well. I mean, uh, (laughs) for what it was, I mean, it was uh, me, mostly it was kind of a uh, uh, mini family reunion with my, uh, supposedly it was supposed to be with my sisters, but uh, my older sister uh, basically chickened out because of the coronavirus. Oh, man. She basically said, well, uh, the COVID-19 is too scary for her to to take uh, uh, that chance of going to Disneyland. And now is this the sister that's pregnant? No. No. So it's the, wow. Okay. Yeah. The younger one said, I'm pregnant. I'm going. Bring it on. So, uh, and uh, so, I mean, it was still uh, fun. We walked a lot. Yeah. Uh, So you walked that virus off. (laughs) Well, it would have to, it would have to catch me. We walked that, that much. Wow. All right. (laughs) But uh, so (laughs) first thing I want to definitely make, make a point is uh, you need good footwear when you go to Disneyland. Oh, for sure. You, it's like you quickly forget how much you end up walking. Yeah. uh, Because uh, one of those things that uh, uh, my wife and my younger sister, every once in a while, they like to uh, kind of, bug me. They know there's certain things that I don't like. And, uh, like one of those things is Crocs. Right. <laughs> I, Crocs are <laughs> fine for little kids. I don't think grown adults should be wearing Crocs. And if you, uh, have, uh, ask yourself, uh, do I have a good pair of walking shoes? The answer is never Crocs. Uh, oh, I, I mean, open toed shoes at Disneyland seems a little rough anyway. Like anytime you're in large crowded gatherings and have open toed shoes, I get a little squeamish. Well, I mean, Crocs aren't technically, I guess, open toed shoes, but they're still not good. Got big walk. holes in them though, well, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess you're right. They're not like wide open, but yeah. they are. So if you step in something gross. That's, that's leaking in. Yeah. So my little sister decided to uh, wear her Crocs because she knows how much I don't like them. And, uh, Just for spite. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was really for spite, but she knows how, how much they like. They don't I don't really care for them. And uh, yeah, by the end of the day, she was like, oh, my feet hurt so bad. And it was like, they're not walking shoes. Right. They're Crocs. Yeah. So um, but my feet were fine. And the big takeaway from that is that if your feet hurt on that first day, the rest of your trip, they're going to hurt. It's going to be a long, so it's going to be pretty brutal. Uh, so get good like shoes. Um, the other thing that I would like to point out is that uh, something we I talked about earlier about uh, that they had uh, cooler lockers. Mm, yes, uh, we did Update. go. We did go check, 
And yes, in the picnic area, they do have bigger lockers. Um, I didn't see anybody storing a cooler, um, but I did see people storing uh, their like uh, their luggage for like their suitcases. Oh, that's so cool. uh, in those. So they're pretty good size. They're not. You're not going to get like a huge cooler in there, but you could get like a cooler that would work for like a family. The problem being, I think for bringing a cooler is that they do have uh, rules for um, ice of all things. Right. You can't have dry ice. And I don't think you're allowed to have loose, uh, loose ice. Mm. So I think you have to like, uh, I think you put like water into like a bag and freeze that and use that as your ice. So, um, just be mindful to before you decide I'm going to bring a cooler, look at the, uh, the rules that they have and what they allow as far as ice and coolers. Right. Go. But, uh, but yes, they do have lockers that you could probably bring so fit a good size, you know, cooler in. Not like a personal, bigger than a personal, obviously, but uh, something that would work for a family of four or five. Did it seem like it cost the same as a normal cool or a I, normal uh, locker? Well, I doubt it was the normal locker. I mean, even even uh, like a, a a little bit bigger locker because they have the different size lockers over. Right. Uh, we always get like the small one, which is like seven bucks, and I think the double one the one up from that is like 10 and mm. so it scales depending on the size so i didn't look at the prices but i'm sure it's still like you know compared to what you save uh, it's probably still reasonable um but uh yes they did have those uh lockers uh the other thing that uh good to point out that uh, i noticed is that uh, also we talked about the uh the sporks Oh yeah, Galaxy's yeah. Edge. Right. Guess what? They're sold out. All gone. <laughs> so they're going to have some more in April. Wow. Okay. That's definitely a trend in Galaxy's Edge merch. It's like it's there, gets sold out quick, and then there's a long period of time before they restock anything. It was like Kyber crystals were gone for the longest time. Yeah. So I mean, but I mean they they because. Uh, my wife really actually wanted one. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they'll get more back in, in April. Uh, the other thing to think about as far as, uh, you know, if you're looking at saving money, you know, if you're not a big walker and can't, if, I mean, be honest of your walking stamina, if you can't walk a lot, you may want to decide not to get that park hopper. Cause, uh, yeah. uh this trip, uh, you know, I walk a lot. So me walking back and forth between the parks is not a big deal for me. But uh, my my younger sister and her husband were not, uh, their walking stamina was not up to par. So it was a bit rough for them. Uh, especially even my wife, uh, her she said her legs were burning that after that first day of walking back and forth. Sure. Given, uh, I think the first day we were there, which is usually a day that I use to to rest, we wound up walking about 15 miles that day. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's very few things at any of the Disney parks where like anything, if you're going from point A to point B, where it's like that's never going to be a straight line. You know, there's there's going to be kind of like twists and turns and you're going to have to cut through another area. And I mean, it, it makes everything feel a lot bigger and kind of larger and more robust. But it's, uh, yeah, if 
getting from one area to the next is never an easy, straightforward thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't seem like it's that far, but it's further than it, it appears a lot of times. Uh, the other thing was, uh, we did get to see the magic happens parade Yes, at night. Matter of fact, uh, they were actually filming yeah, buddy. the parade, uh, the night we were watching it and the camera was like right, right there with us. Oh, <laughs> we got to start looking up those PR videos, see if we can get a little Henry Hall action. Uh, you're probably not going to see us. We were like right off to the side of it, but, uh, but it, uh, it is definitely something you want to see and it's best to see it at night. Like, right. like you pointed out before to us, um, the, the floats are amazing. Especially the Moana float is really, really nice. Uh, the frozen float actually shoots out like a little uh, fake snow. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it the uh, the Disneyland uh, or Disney Park uh, soap bubble snow? No, it's not soap, but uh, soap bubble snow. It's actually just like fake snow. Oh, wow. So it, huh. So it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, all the, and the dance and the people dancing and everything, I mean, given, I think because they knew they were being filmed, maybe they were on point yeah. and everything was like, it's still popping. new. Like they haven't had time to just kind of get a little kind of over the, uh, the general excitement bump. Yeah. But I mean, the dancers were amazing. Like the dances were like really popping. Uh, it wasn't like, uh, you know, it was they were good. Everything was really, really good on it. Good music. Music was, uh, was, uh, energetic. Yes. The music was good. Um, and it ended the, uh, the parade ended with the, with my wife's probably favorite float because they had the sleeping beauty at the end. Oh, nice. Very cool. And, it, and I mean, these floats were so nice. I mean, uh, uh, the only one that was kind of disappointing was, uh, Tiana for the frog prince. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it's uh, cool that she's represented. It's definitely not, yeah. uh, every time that I see her, frog. yeah. Yeah. Every time that I see Tiana or any of the other princess and the frog characters, it's like, wow, I, I'm glad this is represented because it was kind of, you know, that was the last kind of traditional animated movie. It sort of came and went without making the impact that they were hoping. And so yeah. you're never exactly sure how much of a push Disney's going to give to characters after the, uh, after their movie has come and gone, but that's, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it was just very minimal uh, compared to all the other ones, which, which had like huge, like, like the Moana ones, like a boat and it's got video on it and everything. And so cool. And, uh, and the sleeping beauty one has like, uh, like three posts or pillars for the, uh, the fairy godmothers and they're sitting on that. And then you have this, big like uh like lift up to where uh sleeping beauty and the prince are on and everything and it's like and uh tiana and uh her man i don't remember what his name was are like on like prince well her (laughs) prince uh they're all like it's basically just big enough for the two of them (laughs) and they're just in a circle so it was like so minimal right so but uh i mean given yes they they at least they were still represented yeah it's cool i mean uh, especially since disneyland usually gets the short end of certainly the u.s park and a stick when it comes to uh general parades but it, it the little bit that i've seen in terms of in terms of video and from what you're describing 
is it really does remind me of some of the, especially like Tokyo Disneyland floats. Like Tokyo Disney does everything kind of well above and beyond. They always pump in the maximum amount of money into everything, and it really shows. Like it really shows well um, in everything they do. And so a lot of those floats absolutely reminded me of stuff that I've seen in Tokyo Disney and then also in Shanghai Disney where they also have really, really awesome and impressive floats. So awesome, so cool. Super excited that this is uh, that this is a Disney. Disneyland right now. Plus, one of the things that uh, makes it more impressive at night is that at least, uh, I don't know if they did, I doubt they did this just for the filming, but uh, at night they have these um, uh, certain parts of the uh, parade way they have uh, black lights. Oh, very cool. So, like, the colors on the costumes of the dancers and everything, they pop better at night than they would during the day. So it's it's definitely like, and I doubt people really realize that uh, sure. that they have the black lights, and the black lights are going to make the the colors pop a lot better. Like the cocoa float was amazing, like because you know, of course, cocoa was all about having those brilliant colors yeah. and everything. So of course, like that makes that those colors like pop even better at night. So you probably want to see it at night. They had like two times, like one was at three 30 and the other one was like six favorite float. Uh, probably Moana. Nice. Uh, then, uh, of course, uh, probably one of the <laughs> bigger uh, things that made my trip a lot, a lot better was that, uh, if people are like me and all about the pickles, I actually finally found out who provides the pickles. Oh, who the pickle vendor is it's Vienna pickles. Oh, nice. Uh, you can place your bulk order uh, immediately, right? Yeah. Apparently they sell them in a five gallon bucket or two gallon bucket. Mm. Uh, but uh, an interesting thing is, is that they have like the, the regular dill pickle that they sell, but they also have, um, you know, they have a spicy, and they've had sour and garlic. Now, uh, the cast member I was talking to said that the uh, Vienna provides the dill pickle, but the other pickles were provided were uh, were being uh, provided by other vendors. Hmm. Uh, and he wasn't sure who the vendor was, but apparently, uh, they these other vendors haven't been able to keep up with demand. Really. Yeah, so it's all you, right? <laughs> no, because uh, <laughs> I never even had a chance to try the sour or the garlic. Oh, um, I think the previous time we were there, I tried the spicy and it was terrible. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, but apparently, they got a new vendor to do the spicy, and they only had the dill and the spicy, and the spicy was a lot better, but he didn't know who the spicy who was providing the spicy pickles now hmm. but the spicy pickles were a lot better last time the the spicy pickle was wasn't very pickly and it wasn't very spicy so it was it was like nowhere uh, now it actually is a lot more pickly and um and it has a little bit of spice so uh so now uh, like now i actually approve of the spicy pickles oh okay cool uh but yes if you're like me and you like the pickles one, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, apparently, the uh, the cast member was telling me that uh, uh, before we walked up, somebody came up and bought like 20 pickles. 
Damn. And apparently that was like 80 bucks, 80, over $80 of pickles. Well, it sounds so. like what you're saying is like, if you've tried the spicy pickles before, didn't like them, try it again because they might, they might've improved. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, but that was a big part for me. And then of course we were there for the food and wine festival. Yes. Which, uh, you know, it was amazing. In California adventure. In California adventure. They had the food and wine festival. Definitely. Uh, I highly recommend uh, trying at least some of those foods out. Uh, I think pretty much everything we tried was great, was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing was a little bit off-putting for my uh, sister and brother-in-law is they had this um, spicy one. It was like Caliente was the the uh, booth. Uh, but they had like a, a shrimp taco uh, but it was weird because the um, the taco was cold. Uh, it was like a cold taco because the shrimp was cold. The shrimp was everything was cold okay. of that yeah. taco. And instead of using like a tortilla for the shell, they used a really thin uh, slice of jicama. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, I thought it was actually really tasty. Yeah. But I think what it was was that they weren't expecting a cold taco. Right. So it was a little bit off-putting when they got this cold taco. Plus, it's because it's jicama, it's very delicate. Yeah, yeah. And you're like trying to like, how do I handle this without having it just like completely uh, fall apart on me before I get it into my mouth? So, right. Um, but my favorite was a fried guacamole. With mm. uh, with carne asada, and it was really good. So, what was uh, so what made it what made it fried? Walk me walk me through this. Well, I mean, it was it, they took the guacamole and they fried it. So, it was, so it wasn't like because I've seen I've seen like where they've taken avocado slices and then kind of batter them and then fried it. But is that so? This was like not avocado, but it was like guacamole that's been probably like frozen and then dipped batter. in batter and, and then, then fried. fried. Oh, okay, wow. Okay, yeah, basically, I think my wife goes. We can replace uh, tater tots with these. Wow! So I was yeah, like, that and that's good too. that's high praise because my wife loves potatoes. Sure, but she said she would take these over uh, tater tots. Nice. Uh, and then the uh, the carne asada was amazing because it was like it was not like thin little pieces. It was like good chunks nice. of uh, of of meat. So it was really good. Plus, we uh, I think my wife went and got these. Um, of all things, it was just like some uh, buffalo ranch chicken wings. It was interesting because you bite into them and it just tastes like a really salty uh, chicken wing. But then after a while, you start to taste a little bit of like ranch creaminess huh. and the flavor kind of like builds up. I mean, it doesn't get hot, but it just builds to where it, it is much better or something. Yeah, they uh, definitely do. I think food and wine is probably my favorite of those kind of food festivals. They, um, I was there for Chinese New Year, and it was all right. It wasn't like great. I had a couple of items that I thought were good, but there wasn't anything that blew me away. Not, not certainly not in the way that you're uh, describing it. So yeah, that's good times, man. Do, uh, now, do you get a? Do you get a? Um, I think they call it a sip and savor pass, or do you just yeah. kind of go a la carte? You did. You went with a pass this time. Yeah, we went and got the. All four of us got the sip and savers. Nice. So each of us had eight of the little like things to use. They had thirteen booths. Um, I think my wife. Uh, one of like two of the things that actually surprised me was she got a. I want to say it was like a berry mule. 
uh, mule being the, the alcoholic, mule. yeah, yeah, yeah. Al- alcoholic beverage. And uh, I took a sip of that, and it was like first you're like, hmm, but then you can taste like it had. I want to say it had some watermelon in it, it had mm. some berry in it, and you could start to taste these like fresh fruits in there, and it it really like took it up a level. And I was like, wow, I've had the Moscow mule before, but this was next level. This was excellent. And then she also got a sangria Nice. and I took a sip of that and I had to set it down <laughs> because I was like, Oh man, this is really good. I was say, sound like you guys are rolling. Well, I mean, it, yeah, she was actually for surprisingly, she was really wanting to try these, uh, she tried a lot of drinks there. Not all, those were the only two alcoholic beverages, but, sure. uh, she also had like a strawberry lemonade. Everybody enjoyed that one. But anyways, like all the food was on point. So, uh, it was, uh, they also have the, like these little, like, uh, guides that have a place for you to get a stamp. Oh yeah. They always do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And apparently my brother-in-law is really big into collecting things like stamps on stuff. Oh, cool. And, uh, he ran around and made sure he got the book, uh, both he, my wife made sure that they got their books full of, they got every stamp Nice. and then you get the extra one at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny cause we were in line and I think somebody actually, uh, foolishly came up to us and said, is that sipping uh, saver thing worthwhile? And, uh, and then my brother-in-law goes, Hey, you should look at my stamp book at my stamps. <laughs> he, he, he took it upon himself to, to now like show them all the stamps that he's gotten. <laughs> it was like, like uh, uh, thanks dude. Uh, okay. We're going to leave you alone. We're going to, we got to go the other way. I was impressed at how he rolled up on that. <laughs> and those poor people did Seems not like know it. what the, they were into, but, but they were, but they were good sports. They really were enjoying it. So. Did you hop on Soren over California? Yes. Nice. Okay. So we did get uh Soren that actually that was, we were in line for that when they asked us about the sip and saver. Oh, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> seems to be they the rolling out uh, over California a little more regularly now when they're trying to drive traffic back to um, California Adventure for whatever reason. And so it's always always nice, refreshing, kind of breath of fresh air, blast from the past uh, to ride California, which I'm, I am not in the minority in feeling like California is better than over the world. I actually like Soren. Over the world or? Yeah. More than California. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's because I, like uh, I like the sense that they use. In the soaring, but they don't have the orange though. The orange scent. Yeah, but I, I live in California, dude. Come I can, on, I can man. smell an orange. <laughs> okay, they have they have <laughs> a prefer, few more. Whatever it is, like um, it's like uh, I like the African dirt elephant dirt. Yeah, <laughs> and they toss the dirt up. Uh, yeah, I, I, so when I first rode it, I rode World before California. And certainly, like, the first time you experience that ride is incredible. But then once you ride it a few more times, you do start to notice, like, some of the structures or uh, 3D recreations. Mm. And so it uh, feels a little weird. Mm. Well, and then probably the big, well, one of the big things that happened during our... <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> our trip was we did uh, ride Rise of the Resistance. Yes, okay. We did it twice. Whoa! Yeah. There we go. So um, the first day was probably uh, the roughest day of it. Uh, we got there. Uh, we drove 
down. We made it, uh, I think we made it to the park around eight, uh, got in, uh, our boarding party. Uh, and this seems, uh, I think this goes to your point of like, there's a raffle going on, but, uh, we got like boarding party 67. So, uh, but they were moving pretty good through the day of boarding people and everything. I think, our boarding uh, number came up about, I think, one thirty. Wow, that's pretty good. So uh, we got over there. We were in the line and uh, got on the ride. And uh, while we were just basically barely onto the ride, you know, we're still not quite on the ride. This is the trackless portion of the ride specifically or? No, we're in like, you know, you go through the, um, we went through the like, um, the briefing. Okay. With Ray. Yeah. With Ray. And then we were getting on the, uh, the transport Yeah, while we're on the transport audio cuts out. Oh, so, uh, so we're, we're on the transport and the audio cuts out probably about halfway through. So we don't hear nothing. Uh, we get out and we're in the like area where you're going to like be ushered into the area where you're going to finally get to see, sit. And they're like, it's been shut down. Oh. So, <laughs> so they give us the, I guess the fast pass to get back on right. later. By that time, I think it was about two 30 ish and I'm feeling pretty punchy because I'd been up for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Did they give you the option of staying or was it like, you gotta go? No, you gotta go. Gotta go. Okay. So, um, so we left we walked back to the hotel. They finally uh, got us a room. I took a, about a two hour nap. Then we had to get back up and go back over. Uh, I think by about, I think we got back in the park about seven, got on the ride. Everything worked fine. Nice. So, uh, and we didn't have much of a wait. So, cause they take you all the way up to the front. And oh, perfect. So, uh, funny thing is we also had a, a fast pass for uh, radiator Springs and radiator Springs racers broke down as well. So then we had a fast pass for any time. Oh, nice. Multi-experience fast pass. Yeah. So, uh, so we basically could, we rode the ri rise of the resistance and then we went back over and rode radiator, radiator Springs racers. That's a good, that's a good one, two punch. Yeah. But, uh, I was, um, I enjoyed Rise of the Resistance, uh, but I think I'm actually feeling a little bit uh, like uh, after riding it the first time and then riding it a second time, I think I only have to really ride it once. <laughs> and I was, I was good. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious on this take because this is like, I think this is the most tepid response to, that I've I've heard from anyone that well, I've the interesting thing is, is cause, uh, the second time we went on it, it, we had my little sister with us. And so this is also their kind of take on it as well. Okay. Uh, so like the next day we went and, uh, we did basically kind of the same thing. We were actually the next day we were <laughs> in boarding group 65. Wow. Okay. So, That's pretty good. So, uh, it, but it was a little bit slower the following day. I'll tell you, rides were break, breaking down a lot. This has been on a thing, trip. man. This is I've seen a lot of people on Reddit also complaining about how it's like there's just been a couple of really rough days of the park lately. Oh man, I mean, like uh, Incredicoaster was breaking down, Midway Mania was breaking down, 
Radiator Springs was breaking down, uh, you know, and of course, Rise of Resistance was breaking down. Just constantly. And today, even, I was looking, uh, they were saying that um, today is March 7th on Saturday, but they were saying that the ride didn't even open until around 1. Uh, I think that's what happened uh, the second time is that it actually opened up later. That's why uh, we didn't get our boarding call till a lot later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it even broke down a little bit before. Actually, it did. It broke down just before it got to our number. Like literally, I think it was at about uh, boarding party 63 we were boarding party 65. So we made our way to galaxy's edge and we were like sitting there. I went, I went to go check and see like why it was like kind of slow. Yeah. Cause they had been, you know, moving, like bringing on parties pretty regularly. And then I walk over and I'm like, I don't see anybody in line. And I'm like, is it broke down? It's broke down. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was like, so just before we got on, it was, it broke down. So, um, that was a little frustrating. Uh, but, um, we did wind up riding it for me. It was, I don't know, maybe it's cause of all this buildup of, I think it might be overhyped. It's overhyped. Okay. And then everything that, uh, like all the stuff you have to go through just to ride it, Sure. it builds it up to a point where like, it's not going to live up to all this stuff. And, and the, to be fair, I mean, everything is really well done. Right. I think uh, for me, uh, one of the things I've been liking more is the more interactive type rides. And there's S- no... Such as? Like uh, Midway Mania, Smuggler's Run, where you're actually doing something in the ride and you're not just kind of like sitting there watching okay. something. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, you know, or at least in something like a space mountain, you're like constantly like, whoa, you know, you're, you're holding on cause it's a thrill, right? Right. Well, rise of the resistance really doesn't have much of like a, since you're kind of just moseying around on this trackless system, it doesn't feel like a, you're doing, it feels like it's more than moseying. I think moseying is selling it a little bit short. Well, you have that drop you have like, uh, that, that drop is like the only like thing it really has as far as like, a, a, a excitement type feel to me. I think uh-huh. everything else felt like, well, I'm looking at these like, grandiose set dressings, which are really nice. They really are in, in, incredible, uh-huh. but I'm just looking at it. I don't feel like I'm really pro- part of this. Right. I'm just kind of like watching all this stuff. So uh, I don't know. So uh, are you saying that in your opinion, you find smugglers run more enjoyable than rise of the resistance? Now, see, here's now, here's a difference. That, of, that's a hot take, man. Woof. Now I'm going to, but here, here's I'm the feeling thing. crispy. Well, yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> That's right. With smugglers run. Dial it down, big guy. Here's yeah. the thing. Okay. Uh, one, you only ride by yourself. You uh, have a rid road with a group of people. I like, mean, I've ridden with a group of people, not my group of people. That's what but, I'm saying. Okay. You, yeah. Yeah. You need to ride with your own group of people. Okay. Uh, and then what you need to do is you get that person who's not good at video games yeah. and stuff like that. You make them the pilot. <laughs> Dude, I mean, okay. 
<laughs> You're just okay. No, I'm just setting this up. I'm, I'm trying to follow along here He's, with you. I'm setting this up because, uh, <laughs> uh, and if you're in a group of people yeah. and you don't know who that person is who's not good at video games, it's probably you. Uh, right. So you make them your pilots. Right. Now you have to be aware you're not going to get a high score, but it's going to be hilarious them trying to pilot the the Millennium Falcon. Sure, I had my little sister was the pilot, and I'm going to tell you what that was the funniest like ride I've ever been yeah. on because she's like trying to pilot the the Millennium Falcon. Lights are turning on, and Hondo is telling her like left pilot hit the button, and she's like. Yelling at her, uh, now she was the left pilot. She's yelling at her husband to hit the button. And he's like, you're the left pilot. <laughs> and I'm yelling at her, Eva, hit the button. And <laughs> she's not hitting the button. We had such a blast on that ride. Yeah. I, they, this was not your first time riding Smuggler's this Run. This was not my first time riding Smuggler's Run. And I'll tell you what. Before that, because of the interaction, it was more fun than Rise of Resistance. Oh, Henry. <laughs> Henry. Well, I mean, I've, it's a difference between sitting there watching things happen and you're actually interacting with them. That's... Yeah. You know, I mean, okay. Uh, like I said, it's like you definitely are... So for sure, they're different experiences. A absolutely. And your experience is going to change depending on who you're with and and how your how your group is on smugglers run in terms of like you're right like if they're if if it's like a family experience then it's going to be different than if it's a solo experience yes for sure um that being said rise of the resistance feels like it is such a like it it is such a such a step forward in terms of ride technology and just general immersiveness like at least when i stepped off rise of the resistance i was like i just felt like i was in a star wars experience and or, or in the middle of like a star wars story and I did feel like everything was constantly moving around me. You have stormtroopers shooting at you. You're in the middle of the space battle. You're making this escape. You go through this, uh, you get on this escape pod. It's just like, there's so many different elements that you're constantly transitioning from um, that it just felt like this really dynamic experience to me. And like I said, I, I hear what you're saying about Smuggler's Run, but I definitely did not leave that ride feeling that it was like a fully immersive Star Wars experience as much as it was like a Star Wars simulator. And I did and, and I didn't feel that way about Rise. And what you're talking about was the enjoyable aspect of Smuggler's Run isn't necessarily the ride experience as much as like who you were riding with, right? Yes. It definitely makes a difference of who you're with and considering like what you're actually doing, but still. And I think also, man, that is, that is such a huge bummer that you had to bail midway through and had to then rejoin later on. Like that sense of escalation that you have, at least when you ride it that first time is like really what sells that, that space. Like, man, when that transport door opens up after you've been through these like really tight kind of cavernous hallways and then you kind of slowly open up and you get your you get your mission briefing from Ray and then you go through that doorway and you're back outside very briefly and you see kind of pose X-Wing load onto that transport ship, which is back again in this very kind of tight corridor. And then you open up into that Star Destroyer 
it really, like I said, it's just that, that progression of events and the way that the physical spaces exist and how you're in them um, really sell that, at least for me, it really sold just kind of that massive expanse and that scale, which is like so integral for, for Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I enjoyed it the first time. Uh, I think the second time you kind of go like, well, I've kind of been through this before Mm -hmm. and it really doesn't like, I think you start to see kind of things a little bit different. I think there's a lot of times like I wanted to check out some things a little bit more and you're kind of rushed through it. So you don't get to see as much of it. Like when you're like trying to check out the, well, the, even like the, uh, the space fight, like when, when they're firing on the rebel ships and stuff, you're kind of trying to, check that out. And then you're just kind of rushed through that area. Uh, like there's definitely things I wanted to see more of, or I didn't get to see is enough of to kind of sell it more. Uh, like when, especially when there's like the, um, they're in the year in the hangar and the ad ats are like starting to shoot at you. Yeah. I didn't like, I think the second time I was like, in there they rushed us through so quickly like some stuff like it also depends on how the crowds are Mm -hmm. so when we went in the second time uh with my uh sister and her her husband they rushed us through the area where they have all the the stormtroopers in there like we didn't get to see that much at all yeah that's like, a bummer uh, so, this is what i'm saying it's yeah it's, so, it's a bu- it seems like that was a pretty that was a pretty uh, it interrupted your general experience well this the when when me and my wife went on they we were in there we were in there a, a long time yeah. Even, yeah, yeah. even before they, the backs they up for sure. even when they, uh, they stopped the ride, we were stopped in there for a while. So oh, we really? got a chance to look nice. at all that. Okay. Uh, got a good chance, but when <clears throat> we went on the ride the second time with my sister and her husband, we were rushed through there and were put through the, uh, into the lining system and whatnot. But I don't know. Part of it. I mean, I definitely think riding with, people make the different rides feel better or I guess can technically make it worse. Sure. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think it just, honestly, I think what happened is everything built up the ride so much that it wasn't going to live up to my expectations. Well, and it will be, I mean, the, the true test to any Disney ride and it's, it's kind of legacy, if you will, is what that multiple ride experience is. And especially like over time, because, um, I mean, certainly like what separates something from like, what separates a Mr. Toad's wild ride from like what you're talking about? I mean, it's technically you've, uh, we've ridden that ride hundreds of times probably, but happy to do it each and every time. And it's partially that nostalgia and it's partially that kind of Disney charm. So it's maybe hard to make that call right off the bat on a new ride, just kind of like letting it settle in. Maybe if it's maybe once this boarding process is, is, is done and things start settling down a little bit. Um, still very surprising though. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still a, a great ride and it really has like some, like the scale of it is, is, is very impressive. I mean, it, it really does sell a star Wars experience. Uh, it's just, 
you know, to me, I, I wish there was some kind of more interactive element for me. Cause I think that's what I'm looking for in the newer rides. You're going to be really disappointed by Tron then. Well, <laughs> I mean, no interactive but that's that. a, but that's a roller coaster. So, True. you know, it's, it's not like I expect that on like guardians of the galaxy, by the way, I did go on Guardians of the Galaxy, and they probably got the best picture of me ever on my Operation uh, Breakout. Yes. Did you save it? No. Oh come on, man! What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it was too goofy. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to save those pictures, man. No. You got to share that out. Oh, it was. It was. It was too. I was looking way too goofy. Uh, I had that look on my face, like I was contemplating my choices in life at that point. (laughs) (laughs) And I probably was. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, so overall sounds like a good trip. Yeah. I mean, we definitely did not ride a lot of rides. I was kind of surprised at how few we rode. Doesn't help when everything's breaking down. Yeah. But then like we didn't have like things like set up well with the, uh, our fast passes and, uh, and they basically, uh, my sister and her husband basically kind of like petered out pretty quickly and sure. couldn't, couldn't hold, couldn't, couldn't keep up. That is the tough thing about going with a large group sometimes is trying yeah. to get everyone's kind of preferences met is next to impossible. Well, we had a bunch of like fast passes that wind up going to waste because they just really couldn't hang anymore. They oh, just, bummer. So, I mean, um. Uh, but it is what it is. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, the one thing I, it was their, really their trip. And I was trying to make sure that they got to do everything they wanted to do. And I think we accomplished that. I just want, I didn't want to be the reason that we didn't ride something. And sure. I was not that. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so easier for you to get down to those parks anyway. Yeah. I mean, I've rode all these rides, yeah. so it was them. Who, it, they hadn't r- ridden a lot of these rides ever, so it was kind of, you know, Lori was kind of probably more disappointed that she didn't get to beat somebody else in Midway Mania. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we went on Buzz Lightyear Blasters. She still got to beat him in that one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but she still didn't beat me. Cool, man. Uh, Well, as always, it was still a very uh, busy week in the worlds of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opened to large crowds and mixed reviews. Uh, Another trackless dark ride that's, uh, that's coming up. As a quick reminder, this is Disney's first ride featuring the iconic mice, which replaces the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios. Trackless Ride opened this past Wednesday, and the standby queue time quickly ballooned to 300 minutes. Wow. It's crazy, man. Uh, Rider reaction thus far has generated quite a bit of both positive and negative feedback. On the positive side, it seems to be a very high energy and visually appealing attraction that provides a much-needed family-friendly experience, Um, something that I heard called out by a few kind of family-goers um, was that it's like, it doesn't have a height restriction. Mm-hmm. So when you think of Hollywood studios, a lot of those rides do have a height restriction. And so if you, um, want to ride with the whole family, maybe you got some shorter members than this, uh, this fits that bill on the negative side. Um, it sounds like the storyline can be a bit all over the place and the overall ride system relies too heavily on screens and digital projection. 
uh, and that it also lacks that classic charm of the great movie ride. And if you are more of a West Coast Park goer, Runaway Railway will be coming to Disneyland's Toontown, but not until 2020. Is this a ride that you're looking forward to, Henry? Uh, Yeah. I mean, 2020. I'm sorry, 2022. Okay. Good correction. (laughs) Good Uh, correction. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. I mean, I haven't, I mean, again, it's like the first, it'll be the first real like Mickey Mouse ride. Yeah. I mean, that I know of, uh, unless there was one early on in the opening of the park, but I doubt it. I don't think so. I mean, Disney at least is saying that this is their first, they're, they're qualifying it that way. So, so, and, uh, yeah. I really want to see that. I I definitely like seeing more stuff in Toontown because I love the kind of the feeling of Toontown, but they really have like what the gadget coaster, which I don't think I fit very well on. It's definitely, I mean, it's a small, the the, uh, gadgets go coaster. Yeah. It's definitely intended for smaller kids, much smaller ride vehicle. I will say it, it, it is probably one of the better themed rides throughout Disneyland. Like it, it really, they do such a good job of selling this idea that you're in this kind of miniaturized world, riding this kind of cobbled together mm-hmm. coaster. So, uh, and, it's a very cool experience. And Roger the rabbits, uh, like a taxi ride that cartoon spin. Yeah. That one, uh, I don't fit on well either. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the whole, uh, the steering wheel spinner yeah. uh, digs well into my legs. So that's a, I mean, it's something I have ridden and uh, and I like a lot, but uh, it's still I don't feel very well in it. Yeah, it's so the few kind of the few other bits and pieces I was able to pick up around this is like it sounds like part of it is sort of I mean, obviously it's like anytime there's a new big experience at any Disney park, the, the expectations are through the roof, right? Especially, mm-hmm. especially in Hollywood studios, which by the way is very quickly becoming like one of the hottest parks throughout yeah. all of the Disney empire. Like it, it, it went from having kind of like tower of terror and rock and roller coaster and uh, star tours and great movie ride to just like all of a sudden, you know, within the matter of years, we had Toy Story Land with uh, Slinky Dog Dash, and then we had um, uh, Galaxy's Edge with everything that comes with that, and now we have Mickey and Minnie's. It's like, man, they are just really slamming that hard. Well, they got two lands now in yeah. in one park. I mean, it's it's nice to even get one land, and now they've gotten two. In two that. of the new two new lands, two new yeah, lands, yeah. and uh, one. I mean, for, uh, I guess for Toy Story Land, that's the only place you can actually ride. I mean, it's the only place that actually got a Toy Story Land. In the U.S. In the U.S. It's the only Slinky Dog Dash in the world. There aren't any others. There are a few of the other parks that do have Toy Story Land. Uh, um, Hong Kong has one. Mm. Shanghai has a modified version of it. So, yeah, there's there's a few others. I'm trying to think if there was a... Walt Disney Studios in Paris has kind of a weird modified version of it too. Aren't they also getting the uh, Tron roller coaster? Uh, not Hollywood Studios. Magic uh, Kingdom's getting Magic that. Magic Kingdom. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's it's more on the horizon for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really uh, they're really kicking out the jams there. But yeah. So, um, uh, but it sounds like a big thing with it is like a lot of people are saying it's it's uh, for for Mickey and Minnie's it's all about tempering your expectation and that perhaps 
you know, it maybe would have better served the expectations around this ride to have it come out before uh, Rise of the Resistance, which logistically hard thing to do, of course. Yeah. But when you when you it's like trackless is still a relatively new system, at least on the U.S. parks. We, we haven't seen too many examples of it um, outside of, you know, the last few years that have come about. And so, you know, there was this big push for trackless, obviously, with Rise of the Resistance and that being the last kind of big experience at Hollywood Land. I think it, I'm sure expectations are very high when people hear, oh, another trackless ride. And it's the first one featuring Mickey and Minnie. And it's replacing like one of kind of those nostalgic golden era rides for that park, which was um, which was great movie ride. And so people go in expecting it's going to be this like completely brand new experience that are, that's on that level of change and progress that you see in rise of the resistances. It sounds like it is not that, and well, that the screen heavy, the screen, the heavy screen use is uh, maybe a little bit disappointing for those that really like those traditional uh, ride sets. I think uh, knowing that it's going in to Toontown kind of helps temper my expectations for it because right. I think I always thought it was going to be something more uh, that would be family friendly mm -hmm. type thing. I don't think I would have put it up against uh, expect the expectations for Rise of the Resistance. They really pushed Rise of the Resistance quite hard and heavy and, yeah. uh, and especially with this whole uh, boarding party system you know you are expecting greatness and to be fair, I think they, for the most part, they deliver on that. I mean, yeah. it, it is an experience. Jumping through the hoops to try and get and ride it uh, is, is a little bit kind of rough. Not something you have to worry about with Mickey and Minnie's, at least. I mean, that is, it, it is a, so um, I have a fast pass for it when I am going there at end of April, early May. So I already have a fast pass blocked in for that. Um, it's also, so I will definitely ride it there. I'll probably rope drop it as well. And I mean, it, Clearly, there's a queue that's open for it that is ridiculously long at the moment, which makes sense. It's a new kind of opening day ride. Sounds like it moves pretty quickly, though. Like, they're able to definitely kind of um, uh, churn people through it. But, um, yeah, and it does sound like it is an experience kind of on the level of a Roger Rabbit cartoon spin. So, well-themed, kind of fun, frenetic, um, not e-ticket, not like it's you're going to the park. Um, and that's going to be, that's going to be the kind of biggest and best experience that you have, but that, yeah, it's going to be a family friendly experience, uh, that, that is going to be super enjoyable and fun and feel relatively fresh. And interestingly too, I thought was Disneyland is expanding capacity because they're not removing anything to Toontown. They're adding this kind of El Capitune theater area to the park, which I guess was a former backstage um, cast member area. Mm. So we're not getting rid of anything for that. And in fact, we benefit from it because they're also going to refurbish uh, a good portion of Toontown, which is great. Mm. It's necessary. Um, but then Hollywood Studios axes <laughs> the great movie ride in order to get this new ride. And so, you know, you always think of, at least I do anyway, kind of Walt talking about how, or, and, and the Disney company talking about how Florida offers this kind of boundless opportunity with just unlimited space and they're not taking advantage of that, or at least they didn't. And I mean, there's always this sense too, that, um, at least with a great movie ride that certainly there's like the, 
there's the space element to it, but there's also the licensing element to it. I mean, we've mm. we've seen that uh, certainly in California with California Adventure, how uh, they've got rid of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror and replaced that with Guardians so that they don't have to pay that licensing fee. They've also, um, at least in the refurb that they recently did with uh, Walt Disney Studios in Paris on their Tower of Terror, it's much less reliant on the Twilight Zone IP. Um, so... It would not surprise me at all if the primary motivator in getting rid of Great Movie Ride is that they don't have to pay um, all of those various different movie licensing fees. Uh, I could definitely uh, believe that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't like to see rides go, but I mean, I unfortunately, I never got to ride the Great Movie Ride, so I guess I don't have... I never did too. I feel like such a fraud talking about it, <laughs> but I know it was, I mean, everything I've heard and seen is that it was really one of those kind of classic, charming Disney movie rides. So we'll be missed for sure. But, uh, but we'll just have to see as soon as, um, like I said, I'll be out there in a couple months and I'll be able to check it out myself and certainly always welcome to, uh, add to Toontown. So, I'll be excited uh, in a couple of years to check that out too. Um, so we also have another closure related to coronavirus. The Walt Disney Family Museum is closed through March 8 due to concerns around that. Um, a notice has gone up on their main website announcing the three-day closure. Specifically, the museum will be taking the time, quote, to conduct a deep cleaning and sanitation of all museum spaces and add further protocols and precautions. Refunds are being provided for all tickets during these affected dates. Just as a reminder, the Walt Disney Family Museum is in uh, the Presidio in San Francisco. It is a museum more than like a park. There aren't traditional rides. I also have not been to, have you been to the Walt Disney Family Museum? No. We got to make that happen. We're going to do a whole episode around that. You and I will, will plan a play date to <laughs> go and check that out. But um, but this is more around kind of the history of Walt Disney and and his creation of the parks. And apparently they just have a lot of really cool, classic Disney uh, historical artifacts on display. So... Sounds like they're taking the right approach and not necessarily closing to avoid exposing people to it as much as just like, we're going to clean everything <laughs> for a couple of days. Back to Florida. Space 220 restaurant appears to be opening in April at Epcot. Um, so this is a table service restaurant that was originally scheduled to open at the end of 2019 and should make guests feel as if they are actually traveling through space via the use of a 250-foot-long digital screen wrapping around the curved moon. Uh, WDW News Today and Inside the Magic both caught this juicy little detail in a future article on the CEO of the group that will be managing the orbiting Earth-themed restaurant attached to Mission Space. The quote specifically is... Next month, Patina Restaurant Group is set to launch into space with the opening of Space 220 inside Epcot Center. So this is a this is another heavy themed restaurant that's opening up. We don't have a ton of those at Disneyland per se. Like certainly we've got Blue Bayou, which is a fun themed mm -hmm. restaurant. We've got a few more of those at Walt Disney World, obviously. But um, there's definitely a lot of a lot of hype surrounding this because the idea of Kind of launching into orbit and having uh, the the concept art for it showed this really cool kind of like space elevator that you go up to, and then it's uh, you kind of come out and it's it's this the observation deck that you're eating on, and so you can see Earth below you and satellites and everything like that. The question is, will they have astronaut ice cream? Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, and they're going to charge you thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I love those little like astronaut ice creams. I think the last time I seen them were in. Uh, it must have been in. Uh, was it uh, in line at the uh, Old Navy? I think they really? were selling them there. <laughs> what a weird place to. It is. I mean, it's just. <laughs> It used to be my thing. There was like a, there's a science museum in Berkeley that I used to go to all the time when I was younger and in the gift shop, you could get astronaut ice cream. And that was always something that I asked for. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would run to it this time. I don't, I don't, in thinking about it, I'm like, man, that doesn't sound very appealing, but it's like novelty more than anything. Right. Oh, it's the freeze dried ice cream. It's as a little kid, did it, you pay $5 for it. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Five dollars oh, yeah, is, yeah. is my uh impulse buy oh, price okay. limit. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no way they would sell it for five dollars, yeah. but yeah, seven fifty. Um yeah, it sounds cool. If uh if so I have been kind of keeping an eye on restaurant reservations, it's definitely not up yet. It's not an official announcement, also worth noting. But uh but as soon as that announcement goes up, I'm gonna try to book for my Epcot day or one of those other days that I have for you because I would definitely be super into checking this out. Oh yeah. I definitely would, would definitely check that out if I had a chance. Yeah. Uh, and then speaking of Walt Disney world restaurants, the big news of the week, there is word of bread baskets being discontinued at various Walt Disney world table service restaurants. Uh, this is also from WDW news today. They're citing multiple reports of cast members confirming that complimentary bread offerings are being phased out at some restaurants. The restaurants that are specifically called out and confirmed include Coral Reef in Epcot, where the GM apparently confirmed that this will include all of Epcot restaurants. So it's going to expand outside of that. Yeah. Mama Melrose's in Hollywood Studios, where bread technically is still being offered, but the cast members have confirmed that there are removal talks that are ongoing. And then Tony's town square restaurant in the magic kingdom has removed their fresh bread and olive oil and replaced it with garlic knots that you have the opportunity to purchase for $9. Yeah, that's, that's pretty rough. I was disappointed when, uh, blue Bayou stopped doing the, uh, complimentary, uh, a bowl of uh well cup of gumbo yeah uh but they still have bread they do sounds like it might just be a matter of time though uh we'll see <laughs> so i gotta be honest as soon as i heard about this i thought about you and i heard i heard somewhere deep far in the distance just oh i was like oh man henry must have heard the news <laughs> yeah i mean uh well i mean i i usually i i enjoy the uh the bread. I'm not eating as much of it as I used to, uh, but I mean, it does like help. Especially some of these meals are so expensive. Uh, getting that little bit of bread helps a bit. It's what they say about just like consumer psychology, right? Of like, as soon as you establish that you're getting something free or that something is included as part of it, as part of the the overall package, people start losing their minds a little bit as soon as you start removing things away from it. But also, I mean, this is, this is also one of those weird things of like, um, certainly I think I probably approach it from the, like, what's the big deal. I don't have that much of an attachment to it, but Disney being all about nostalgia, like that meal service, especially at some of these nicer meal service places 
kind of like the order of operations is all part of the nostalgia factor. And so there are plenty of restaurants that I've been to, um, both Disney and out otherwise, where it's like the bread is so great and fantastic that you are looking forward to that. As soon as you mm -hmm. sit down, you're like, man, that bread basket with like that pretzel roll or that cheese roll or just that what like, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, there are those restaurants where you're just like, yeah, that is part of the overall experience. And so at Disney where it's all about that overall experience and kind of meeting the demand of your nostalgia. Uh, I think that's where, cause they're definitely people. I mean, this being the internet age, there are definitely people, uh, you know, voicing their displeasure around this and it probably won't be that big of a deal, but it's still, I mean, yeah. And I mean, I think one of those things is, is that, uh, it, it does kind of feel like, I, I think it probably wouldn't be like, you know, not offering bread is definitely something that you, uh, if they had never done it before and you didn't expect it and you know, and it's gone. I guess if you had never been to the restaurant and it, and then they didn't give you bread, you wouldn't miss it. But having been there before and got the bread, especially cause it is good. I mean, the bread, when we went to blue Bayou this last time, it's kind of like a, a herbal, like focaccia yeah, bread right. and it was super soft right. and everything. It was really good. Like, um, I mean, we definitely enjoyed it. Uh, my brother-in-law, he requested more of it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it is definitely good. It does also help when the fact that, you know, at like blue Bayou, they're not giving you like the, biggest portions sure especially because i got like the chicken and it's like just a little chicken breast and right. i mean it was it was on point it was perfectly you know made it was not it wasn't dry it was very moist uh, the rest of the meal was was delicious too but it's pretty small yeah. <laughs> and uh so having that bread kind of helps to fill you up at the end of the day without making you like overly full uh you know but you know it it, it is kind of a stinging point if you had been there and then you find out oh they're not giving it to you anymore yeah now would you if if um being the blue bayou connoisseur that you are if they were to remove bread from the um from the opening uh meal this, that wouldn't change your mind in terms of whether you would go back uh i think uh, i don't think it would uh i don't know it would be tough but i don't think i'd have a choice because my wife is going to want to go back because she's going to want to <laughs> get that lamb rack of lamb right so um I mean, I would probably still go, but the problem, the, the tough thing is, is that not only are they taking things away, but the prices yes, keep going up. That's right. So that's true. Good like, point. I, I definitely noticed the prices were a lot more. It used to be about like, uh, around the mid thirties. Uh, right. And now everything is like 40 bucks. So it, it's the price is going up and they're not giving you more. They're giving you less. The price of the meal is going up. Also price of the tickets, as we discussed yes. uh, a few weeks ago is also going up. So you're paying more regardless and yeah, getting less. Yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty pricey, especially like when we went, uh, uh, my, my little sister and her husband both wanted like, Oh, well I want the soup of the day. And, and I will also like a salad that salad, it looked pretty good and it sounded pretty good, 
but it was awfully tiny. <laughs> I would have been mad if they would have brought me like that little salad. Yeah. But, uh, but they enjoyed them. <laughs> and that salad was like 10 bucks. Crazy. Yeah. Well, and so we were talking about galaxy's edge a little bit earlier. Um, and so I've been, I've been holding off on this topic a little bit, at least until you had a chance to ride, rise the resistance. Um, but now that, now that at least the, the full vision of, or the modified vision, I don't know how you want to look at it, of Galaxy's Edge is done, at least the initial V1 is done, um, I was curious on what your take was in terms of the overall land and if you feel like it is kind of, it, it, it is a fully realized land within Disneyland right now. Um, or Hollywood Studios, for that matter. But before we get into that, I just wanted to briefly give an overview exactly on what is currently present within Galaxy's Edge, and then we can start to to chop it up a little bit. But uh, so the makeup of Galaxy's Edge, it's now two rides. So we've got Smuggler's Run and Rise of the Resistance. We've got five-ish food options with Docking Bay 7, Ronto Roasters, Oga's Cantina, which is kind of a cheat, but whatever. It's got food. Milk Stand, also kind of a cheat, but it's got food. Uh, and Katsaka's Kettle. Uh, we've got two building experiences between Savi's Workshop and the Droid Depot. We've got six-ish shops between Doc Onders, First Order Cargo, Resistance Supply, and the Black Spire Marketplace, which has the toy, toy Darien toy dealer and you know, the, um, the creature shop and various kind of small little tchotchke stores. And then we've got, uh, the upcoming star Wars hotel at Disney world, uh, opening up soon ish, or at least they're going to start taking reservations soon, but they are, um, the rumoring that a two night, three day experience, which is what the, which is what they're selling, um, is going to be a little over $3,000 per person. So that's kind of where we're at right now with Galaxy's Edge. So do you feel like that's enough or do you feel like there's still some pretty core aspects of Galaxy's Edge missing right now? I think right now it does feel like a fully realized land. It's interesting because um, I think most of the other lands, uh, the layout is is different. Like you can... And any of the other like lands, you can kind of see everything from any point. You can kind of see pretty much everything that the land has to offer. You can see most of the rides from one point of view. Uh, but with the, uh, the layout of galaxy's edge, you definitely have to, it lends itself to, you have to kind of go explore right. to, to see, uh, the whole land. Um, I think I noticed some stuff like some of the ambient type ambiance type stuff more this last time. Mm -hmm. Like I think I never noticed like they have like a, a ship way up there, like posted yeah. up and it, it makes it really feel like this is a real, like uh like star Wars type out, outpost. Um, but I, I think it's a fully realized land now. It does feel awfully uh, big to have uh like there seems like there's some areas that could do with like something there like there's like 
some space that seems like it could be utilized a little bit better. Right. Um, so, I mean, but I mean, with those, at least with those two rides, it feels more like, uh, not wasting my time coming here. One of, um, one of the pieces of feedback and, and negative elements that I think a lot of people were talking about, and, and I believe it was something that we echoed here as well, but that previously Galaxy's Edge, or at least a large portion of it, felt kind of like a shopping mall, an expensive Star Wars shopping mall. You've got that, like I said, right now there are more shops than anything else within the within that area of the park. You've got like six between um, kind of ride exit rides, which is really what the the resistance supply is. It's a rise of the resistance kind of exit shop. But then you also have everything that's in Black Spire Marketplace. And then, you know, that's again, like I, I separated out just because they're kind of different experiences, but really lightsaber building and droid building or a shopping experience, right? Yeah. So do you feel like that's still the case or do you think that maybe, do you feel like maybe that's been, that, that's been better balanced out? Um, I don't know if I'd say it's better balanced out, like looking at it, like, it, I think they kind of hide some of the shops a little bit better. Um, like, uh, the, the Zavi's workshop and the droid building is kind of hidden away. So you don't necessarily see it. Um, and then like probably the better shops you don't see out in the open, but it seems like, uh, the, uh, the marketplace, uh, the bazaar type marketplace. I mean, it's kind of good to make it feel like a bazaar, but like looking at the stuff that they're selling in there seems kind of like, it seems really like expensive chintzy gifts. Right. And uh, it was kind of weird that uh, when we were like, my younger sister was really wanting some of the, the child uh, type, like souvenirs. Um, not going to find it there. No, you're not going to find it in the, in galaxy's edge. And that's because it's all, it's all in Canon for the specific time period, right? Like they have not introduced Mando and or the child within the galaxy's edge lore. Well, you can find it in like when you're walking into galaxy's edge or leaving galaxy's edge, Oh, funny! they have some like little <laughs> stands right there that you can buy some stuff. Is it technically on the galaxy's edge side or is it on the other side? Uh, I guess it's on the other side. Uh, that's funny. So they, it's like right on the border, but, uh, but then you look at the stuff that they're trying to sell within and it just like, mm, you know, it just like, especially in the, in the bazaar, it just seems like none of that stuff I was even remotely interested in. And it's all kind of, uh, uh, Batu or uh, black spire oriented type stuff. And it's like, you're really trying to sell me on, on this kind of being it, like show people that I've been at, uh, black spire, but like, I'd rather go to the shop in Tomorrowland where you have like, the better like stuff. Although they do have like the more traditional movie merch. Yeah. They, I mean the, the shops uh, that are kind of hidden away where you can buy the lightsabers and stuff like that. They have the more interesting stuff, but it's also really expensive. So like uh, um, I think my uh, brother-in-law wanted to get a lightsaber for his daughter. uh, I guess my niece now <laughs> she uh and he wanted to get like ray's lightsaber which is technically 
uh, Anakin or Luke Skywalker's <laughs> old lightsaber. Right. And uh, got so as the replica. It wasn't the build your own. That one was like $130. Ah, but they don't tell you. You got to buy the lightsaber. The the blade, blade. is separate. Yeah. <laughs> I think the funny thing too is like the interesting uh, uh, bit about that is like um, your annual pass holder discount won't apply to the hilt, but it will apply to, to the, the blade. blade. <laughs> yes, so I was like, uh, all right, <laughs> okay. Uh, but it was weird that 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 was like that. But uh, yeah, so you buy the lightsaber itself. Uh, the replicas and it's almost $200. So, I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's make to make you feel better about paying the $200 to build your own. It's, just, it's $200 <laughs> for a lightsaber, right? Like yeah. that's just what it is. And whether it's a replica of a specific one that, you know, from the movie or whether it's like one that you personally build, it's, it's going to be the same. Pretty the funny much. thing is, is that he wanted he wanted a, I guess they sell a shorter blade mm -hmm. for, I guess, if you're like a little kid. Mm -hmm. So they short, sell a shorter blade. Uh, I guess the regular size blade is $50. So the shorter blade is, I guess, only like a 350 difference. <laughs> wow, that's funny. That's so ridiculous. it was like, wow, there's really that little of a difference. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, they definitely... To, your, to that point, they make it very easy to spend mass quantities of money in uh, in Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge should you be wanting to really kind of dip into all of these various uh, experiences. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I so I agree generally like two rides feels pretty good and the amount of just kind of stuff going on in there, at least it feels like you're not going through any kind of like, you know, major the. Um, before before rise of the resistance that area of the park of the land felt really obviously empty it was like you had that um you had the uh the resistance uh, uh shopping area that outdoor shopping kind of stand that uh felt just out of the blue but it makes sense now because it's an exit shop yeah. but um but definitely so the first major thing that that feels sorely lacking is even though they've got the few characters that are wandering around, uh, they need more of those yeah. and they just need generally more entertainment. Like it's pretty wild on just before when I was compiling this list, I was on the, I was on the Disneyland map and just looking, I think I ticked entertainment. There was no blips for galaxy's edge everywhere else throughout the park. You've got these little blips dotted, but it's just empty within galaxy's edge. So it, funny thing is like, there's definitely stages and areas that they've clearly built with the intention of having some kind of shows and events. And I believe even like during the press demos, they did have, um, they did have certain, uh, like a small little kind of demonstration show. So they've had these in the past, just seems like there are still turns that you'll make in the park and it will be just like, there's a lot of set dressing, but there's nothing like actively going on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. other than like, they've got this passive uh, data pad app interaction with the land that I'm sure like 99% of people just ignore. But so they've got some of that in these kind of empty areas, but it still does feel like like there are a few areas that are just either, I don't know if they're underutilized or just like. Well, I'm just surprised that they didn't like, um, there's like an area, uh, I, like kind of right when you come in through one of the entrances where 
uh, I've seen where they've had stormtroopers up, uh, kind of like doing kind of like, a, I guess they're just doing, I guess, kind of guard duty type on the wall, right on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm surprised they didn't just, Hey, let's put some like animatronic storm stormtroopers up there. So it, it makes it feel like, you know, they're always kind of keeping an eye out on things or I've seen them up there once and that was it. Uh, out of the many different times I've been in through galaxy's edge, seen them once. Yeah. Um, I yeah. did. I think this time I did see, um, Kylo Ren and some stormtroopers walk through at least a, two or three times this time. Mm. Um, so I guess they're trying to do it more, but you know, the problem is with this is that because it's one of those lands that kind of, you have to explore, you can't see everything. Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren could be out and you won't see him. Yeah. That's definitely so, true. so you kind of have to like have the land itself. You were kind of, because of the layout, you have to have multiple people out. Or just things going on, right? Yeah. Like it's one thing. It's like you're there are very few locations that you're kind of standing still and observing. Like certainly when you first enter that park, you would just want to take it in because it is really detailed and there are some really cool just kind of visuals going on. Like that area with the Millennium Falcon is incredible just to kind of sit and look at. But unless you're like shopping or eating or doing or waiting in line, there's very few moments where you're just kind of of passively standing around, right? And so it it, it would be one thing if you were like, there was some little kind of like street performer that was like a Twi'lek or something like that, mm-hmm. or, or just something that you would be standing still anyway, and then you would have kind of well-timed characters go through that area to ensure that, you know, a large group of people will see an, an, an encounter. Um, but if you're just constantly moving or as to your point, constantly exploring the chances of you and uh, Ray being two ships that pass in the night are very high, right? Yeah, I think I think I've actually I did see Ray twice, and I guess she does some kind of like hide and go seek with little kids yeah. and stuff. And to be honest, it was like really weird when I was like, "Why are these like little kids running through the land and doing stuff?" It was like, <laughs> and then I go a little further and I see Ray's doing, I guess, some kind of like lookout type thing, uh, hide and go seek uh, with the kids. And it's like, oh, that's cool, but that's kind of weird <laughs> yeah. type thing. Uh, but I guess it was it was cool. I, I did notice that when uh, Kylo Ren walks through, he is stepping. Uh, him and the stormtroopers are stepping. They're not really stopping no. and talking to people as much as they probably should. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. There just need to be more opportunities like that, whether they be kind of like small little stage shows or just more, like I said, like having like a Twilek street performer in that area. Um, in one of those off the side areas would be like awesome, right? Because it would just kind of draw people into that and just give a giving give that feeling of life uh, in there. I think also I wonder if I know that um, initially there was talk of a of a of a table service restaurant that was kind of like a it was like a dining show where you know you'd have your meal, but there would be like you know um, a performance going on around you, um, and it. And I believe Oga's was kind of like a counterpart to that. So either you'd hang out around Oga's while you were waiting for 
the, the doors to open for the restaurant and then you'd kind of flow in there or, um, or, you know, it would just be a different, you could choose what experience you wanted. That would also certainly help, uh, the kind of massive crowds that are always trying to get into Ogas, um, because it's just, I mean, it's constantly, that's, that's the closest thing you have outside of a ride to entertainment, right? Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, building experience, but, uh. So something like that would make a lot of sense. Uh, supposedly they are incorporating that area into the uh, Star Wars hotel, that paid experience. But again, that's like over three G's to get in. So, yeah, it was funny because uh, for some reason, I don't know why this came to mind, but when I was watching Kylo Ren walk by, I was like, man, I really wish I had my rebel shirt on and I could just walk over there and go, like, ah! You know, just <laughs> to get something out of him yeah. to, to like actually like acknowledge people's presence <laughs> instead of him just like walking through. You know, that's happening. Some, so, somebody's doing something with that. They're messing with those characters. Uh, I mean, yeah, they kind of beg to be messed with. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, you know, usually one of the things that's cool about like the characters when they walk through is they, they sit there and they talk about the people when they're walking by. Yeah. And he didn't say nothing to nobody. It's just like he's stepping. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was kind of like eye to eye with him at one point. I was like, are you going to say anything? Nope. <laughs> I think that, and again, it's like if there were more characters like that, and it wasn't like a, a rare sighting where you were like, hey, bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was more stuff like that going on. It wouldn't stick out as, as bad. And maybe you could then contextualize it into whatever, you know, uh, uh, narrative that they're trying to play up for that. Or maybe they're just like at a certain um, point. Almost, I don't know. Maybe they only talk to the little kids now. It seems like it's only little kids that they're interacting with. But then it's like. I think for Star Wars, you kind of need to interact with the adults because the kids, for the most part, probably aren't really attached to Star Wars that much at this point. Right. It's going to be the adults who are going to be more attached to Star Wars and the ones who are really going to want to hear from you about like, oh, you know, you're rebels and whatnot. Like, are you rebel or something like that? I, I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't just say something as simple as that. Or, well, it's they definitely have a little bit of time before. I think once, but by the time Rise of the Resistance goes into its kind of queue mode and it's no longer doing boarding passes, then it's probably around then that they're going to need to figure out something because you're going to have just a generally greater flow that are going in there right now. It's like you just, ha you have a general flow of people that want to check out the land. Maybe want to check out smugglers run. Uh, maybe they have a boarding pass, but you probably don't have a lot of people that are like, let's spend many hours within this land. Right. They kind of go in, do what they're doing and then they roll out. But once you get smugglers run and it's like, Oh, I can actually walk onto smugglers run or, i'm sorry walk on to rise the resistance and then from there walk all the way over to smugglers run and then do that and then maybe have lunch or something like that then you're talking about a little more time being spent that's unplanned and unscripted and then that's that point where you're going to want to have that entertainment and maybe uh, a couple of other options for people to do stuff with yeah, I think that, but I think they needed to be working that stuff out now. I did see, I, hope they are. I did see that they are now putting out like little, like, um, I guess a little like, uh, obstacle course maps mm. for the droids Yeah, so that people can go and 
they just built their little droid and can now walk it over to there to like uh to try it out and interact with other droids and stuff like that it's cool but again it's it's a hundred dollar buy-in right yeah. unless they've got droids there that you can just use which they should yeah uh, I mean, yeah, they definitely are missing the boat on having like a, a generic droid so that people can at least check it out and then, Oh, yeah. I, I got to get one of these. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. It's yeah. A, buy, get people bought in. Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, my wife has been begging me to get, to build one of these droids because <laughs> she wants to make herself feel better since I never buy myself anything and <laughs> in Disneyland, except for maybe pickles turkey legs and oh, food. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've never bought myself any kind of like a uh, souvenir to take back. And she buys all the souvenirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got herself two Pandora charms this trip, uh, three new uh, pins. And, uh, and then she's got herself, uh, uh, she got herself a, a sweatshirt. Uh, they had this like black and gold and, uh, glittery shirt that, uh, a lot of people were wearing, but she got herself one as well. Nothing in galaxy's edge, huh? No, not this trip. No, there was, there was, I mean, I was kind of looking, well, to be fair, uh, my little sister and her, my brother-in-law made up for whatever we didn't spend there. They bought everything. They both went <laughs> through the build your lightsaber wow. experience. Uh, my brother-in-law built a, a droid, uh, and then they bought an extra lightsaber for his daughter. Uh, and they, oh, and they also got the blue milk, which they actually didn't like. I didn't like the blue milk either. Yeah. Well, they didn't like it because I guess my sister doesn't, she hasn't been eating a lot of sugar. Mm. So it's, it, to her, it was like super sweet. It's and, very sweet. Uh, oh, my wife did get the mango. Uh, oh, nice. And? Oh, she liked it. Oh, wow. Okay. Because it's, it's very. Uh, it's, it's green milk, mango, uh, like a mango puree. Uh, it's got the tahini sprinkled on top it and then is, mango it chunks. It is not right? green milk. Really? Yeah, it's, it's a just different mango. kind of milk. Yeah, it's mango. No, they mix it with green milk. Yes, they do. Uh-uh. Yeah, they do. No. Dude. Dude, it is not green. It's no, no form of green. It's probably because it's mixed in. <laughs> look it up. I'll look it up. But well, it didn't well, taste anything like the green milk, and I had the green milk. I, that's a good thing then. Yeah, it just tastes like uh, they have a, a mango uh, a mango drink. It, it is different. It's not the. It's good. I like the sound of that. Yeah, and it's got like um, it's got like a mango, uh, gels in it, and then they oh, have okay. they have chamoy mm. mix mm. in there. That's ah, the red, right? And then they put uh, tahini on top. Ah, okay. So it's it, yeah, I don't think they have anything to do with the green milk, dude. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna wrap this episode up. <laughs> then we're gonna look this up. That just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and you want us to keep making more content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week.